Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good, good. My name is Ken, and Nathan mentioned uh, last week that I was going to have the uh, chance to give the second part of this three-part series today. I'm going to start by saying I am grateful for this church, and I promise you that I planned to say that before I recognized that I was going to be talking on Thanksgiving, which I clued into like this morning. Um, I have it written down. I Actually, I was going to start by saying I'm grateful. I figured I'd just butter everyone up a little bit. That'd be a good way to start, and, uh, and I am, I, and specifically why I got lots of reasons. There are so many fantastic people in this church that have just entered into my life over the years and into the life of my family in powerful ways. I've got so much encouragement. I got smiling faces from the Lang family here this morning in the front row. I mean, how, how, how can I not be grateful? Um, but specifically as well, this church impressed me a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago. Um, and by impressed, I mean actually put me to shame a little bit and made me feel bad about myself. Uh, but what happened was, and Nathan alluded to this, we provided these feedback cards uh, to the church to just kind of fill out and, uh, and provide some feedback, some thoughts, some ideas. And then Nathan got up on the stage and said, hey, we heard a resounding message from folks. Uh, over 51% of people said the same thing or something similar. We want to be doing more out of these walls. We want to be getting out there and, and helping people, showing people we love them. I was sitting somewhere in the back couple of rows that day, and I was like, oh, what did I write? I'm pretty sure I wrote nothing. I didn't want to make eye contact with anyone. Everyone looked over. I, I probably would have pretended, but like, yeah, 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 right, right on. I was part of that. That's what I said. I mean, I spelled it wrong. I spelled it a bunch of spaces in a row, but I meant that. I'm absolutely on board with that. I was really struck by that. I was really impressed by this church, and so we have uh, worked to, to begin uh, a pressure, a culture, a discussion around how we can show this community we're for them. So if you missed last week, uh, Nathan introduced the concept. Uh, I won't give you the full uh, story, but I'll give you a couple of Cole's notes, a couple of important things, things that I thought really uh, impressed on me. Number one was a question. I don't know if you remember the question he asked. It was really challenging and beautiful question. The question was this, if Pathway Church disappeared, just suddenly wasn't here anymore. Would Peterborough feel the impact? Would they be disappointed? Would they feel the loss? What a, what a difficult question when we really ask ourselves that. We hope the answer is yes, absolutely, but we want to be thinking about how we, how we make sure that's the case. And then he also, he also asked another question, which I thought, or a statement that I thought was really pertinent. We've got it up on the screen here, if you can put that up. Many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. Now, I don't know how you feel about this one, but I, I believe this one to be true. I feel this in the culture around me as I talk to people. I hear more about, uh, oh, the church, you know, it's a downer and on, on these things I want to be doing, um, on my lifestyle, on my identity, on all sorts of things. And, I, and, and we don't want to say that you can't have a position on things, but the message, the message that's being delivered to people, and not maybe because they're misinterpreting, but legitimately their experiences, the church is against me. 
right? And what Nathan said, right, the, the people don't believe the church is for them because the church isn't for them. It doesn't have their back. It's not out to help them, is what they are receiving, potentially. And so what I want to spend the next half an hour on together is how does this happen? Why does this happen? And it's very easy to look at examples that are out there, outside of our church, and say, oh yeah, well they're doing it wrong. But no, there's a, there's a potential and a shifting of motivations that can come in that can cause us to unintentionally send a message that says, we're not, we're not really for you, we're against you. We don't want that to happen. So we're going to talk today about three. And to give you a visual cue, I've got this here with me, okay? You've all seen me kind of playing with this the whole time. I like to have something in my hands. Someone in the front row, for the sake of those in the back, can you tell us what this is? Ah, a smoke detector. Very good. I was hoping you'd say that. It's a smoke detector, smoke alarm. And I'm not talking about smoke. This is <clears throat> a 10-year smoke and carbon monoxide alarm. You see, when it comes to doing things and, and, and sending the wrong message, I'm not talking about smoke. I'm not talking about motivations that are like smoke and fire, that are terrible, absolutely, but obvious. You can see them. You can smell them. You can feel the heat. When smoke is happening and fire is happening, it's a, it's a very obvious thing. I'm talking, in my analogy here, about carbon monoxide. So does anyone know what carbon monoxide is known as? Silent killer, right? You've heard that from the, from the fire halls and such. The silent killer. Because carbon monoxide is colorless, right? Carbon monoxide is odorless. And let me tell you a little bit about what carbon monoxide does if you're a uh, in, in the medical field, please don't hold me to this. This is not, I've just read this, okay? My understanding is that what carbon monoxide does, okay, is that it will, it will attach onto the blood, onto the hemoglobin, right, which is the part of the blood that will carry oxygen to all the parts of your body, and it will displace the oxygen. So it's not like this poisonous gas, you put your hand into it, and it, ah, it gets you. No, it just displaces what you need. So today... When we're going to talk about motivations and motivators that are not for Peterborough, they're not for you, there's something else, it's like carbon monoxide, okay? It builds up, it sneaks in. You're not even really aware that it's there, but you might, if we talk about it, if we're intentional about it, we might start to see the impacts of it. Recognize that thing that we're trying to breathe life into isn't, isn't really living. People are starting to feel like we're against them instead of for them. Why? So let's jump into this. I hope, I hope you're with me, okay? I hope it's not a super heavy message, um, but it is, it is a bit of a warning about how we can go about things in the wrong way. And, and, and I'll be honest, as I read uh, the Bible, and I read uh, the New Testament, and I read the Gospel, and specifically what Jesus said, Jesus had a lot to say, a lot to say to people doing, doing good things for all the wrong reasons. There's a lot to say to people doing good things for the wrong reasons. So we want to dive into this and acknowledge that helping people, doing this kind of work, it's hard, it's complicated, it's a little messy to get perfectly right. So we're going to do three things here. We're going to look at three. I know there's more, and, uh, and I'm going to build on some of my experience, but really I hope that this is going to start a conversation between people, share your own experiences with each other, especially when we jump into these ministry fields. So here we go. First, number one. You can't have a heart that's for you if you have a heart that's for personal gain. That may sound really obvious. If you're in it for yourself, you're not really in it 
for other people. And a few images may come to your mind. I don't know. They might be the sinister things, right? I'm pretending like I'm running some charity, but I'm, I'm pocketing the dollars. That really nasty stuff. That's, that's the smoke. I'm not talking about the smoke. I'm not talking about the obvious stuff. I'm talking about the subtle influences that actually make our opportunities to be for people actually be about ourselves. So let me give you an example. I, um, I used to, years ago, volunteer at a, at a drop-in center in town, okay? And this drop-in center was for youth, and uh, it, uh, it was a fantastic place. And the youth that came were from all different walks of life. Some of them, though, came from really rough circumstances, some street kids, some homeless kids, uh, kids from abuse situations, and, and some really tough stuff. And I'll tell you about this drop-in center. It had a fantastic training program. Um, and, and you're probably picturing, you know, day one, day two, week two, you get, you know, kind of go through this ringer. And it did have that, but that was just orientation. That wasn't really the training. The training happened every single uh, session that we had, every single night that we were, we were there. Afterwards, we'd stick around for, sometimes it would take an hour. And we just talked through all the things that we had worked through and uh, we had discussions we'd had and things that were going on in the lives of the, the youth just for consistency and such. And, uh, and it was really, really helpful to do this, um, to do this debrief afterwards. And the supervisors and the volunteers that had been there for longer often had lots of words of wisdom. But one theme I found that, ha- that was discussed a lot was this. Some volunteer would come and say, oh man, I just... I talked with this youth, and I, and I had this chance, and I didn't take it and to say this thing I think they needed to say. And now I think I, I blew it all, and they're going to go, and, and God's never going to work in their life, and they're going to uh, fall off a bridge. It's my fault. And there'd be a lot of kind words, encouraging words, from supervisors, staff being, saying, be careful for your own well-being and your own, and your own mental health for sure, but also be careful not to take total responsibility for every failure that you feel you did in every outcome. Because if you start taking responsibility for all the failures, it's a very short step to starting to take credit for all the successes. And as soon as you start doing that, as soon as you start doing that, every conversation you have with someone is not about them. It's about you. It's about your checklist. It's about your win-loss record. And you don't even recognize it's happening. But like carbon monoxide, it sneaks, it can sneak in there and suddenly you're trying so hard but it's just not delivering the air because it's about you. Validation is the word. If there's a word here, I, I really struggled with the, you know, these bullet points, personal, again, I didn't know what to call it. Validation's another really good word. If you're in it for validation, then it will displace being in it for the other person. I don't know how this is going to affect everyone in this room. I don't know how it plays in your role. I can give you a couple thoughts. I think that perhaps if you're someone that's been in a particular ministry for a long time, this would be a really hard one to struggle against because you'd be doing something a certain way for, for 30 years and you're the expert at it. You do it best because you've been doing it so long. It would be very hard to come to grips to recognizing that maybe something needs to change. You can't change it. It's your way. Hold on a second. This is about validation for you. Flip the scales. What if you're someone that's new into a, a faith experience or there's revival in your heart or, or you're believing something new or you just feel like, we've all been here, right? You just feel like you haven't really been intentional lately and you're going to turn things around. Folks, in that place, it's, this is very challenging for you as well because you might come saying, 
look how hardcore I am. I'm so invested in this now. You're trying to show it to everyone around you. You're, you're trying to show it to yourself. Now, Jesus had a lot to say about this. We're talking about doing good things here. We're talking about helping the needy, whatever initiatives. This applies to whatever initiatives the Four Peterborough um, a, a banner kind of comes up with. Let's jump into three different verses here that Jesus uh, talks about here. So this is Jesus' words in Matthew. He's given a sermon to a group of people. Um, it's, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. You can throw that on the screen there. So, so when you give to the needy, this is instruction from Jesus to the people, do not announce it with trumpets. Here I come. I'm giving to the needy. It doesn't speak to saxophones. As far as I understand, saxophones are okay. Trumpets, no go. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, They've received their reward in full. We're going to see that phrase again. Let's flip on to the next one. And when you pray, praying is a good thing, right? Praying is an excellent thing to be doing. We're talking about good things here. But don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue. Synagogues were like the religious centers of the day, right? And on the street corners to be seen by others. Not sure this one totally applies in our day eyes. We don't see a lot of people being honored for praying loudly in the street. Some people do it. Some people do it, and, and, and I'm not, their motivations are their own. But it's not like something that really brings on, oh, the person needs the best. But maybe this is your, this is your, your small group, or maybe this is your, uh, your working group, and you're doing popcorn prayer, and you're going to open and close the popcorn prayer. Oh, my gosh. So pious. You know we've all been there, though. We finish a prayer and we're, and we're left reflecting on, did I say, did I say really prairie things? Did I say more prairie things than they did? I think I did. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was, that was pretty good. Or the flip side, oh man, I don't even want to, I don't even want to say anything because I know I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to say the right words. Both things put us in danger of being more about ourselves than really what it's about. We're praying for other people. We believe prayer is a powerful and wonderful thing. We want to pray for people. That's a great thing. And it's going to be impactful. And it's going to be for other people. And we're going to be careful not to allow a sneaky sort of motivation of all about us build into this. I got another one. When you fast, we don't talk a ton about fasting these days. If you're not clear on what fasting is, it's a, it's a, period of time of abstaining for something for the purpose of focusing on something else. Typically, it's about not eating for a period of time, temporarily, temporarily, and focusing on God. And so this was part of the religious system of the day. And this takes us in the other direction. Instead of feeling so great, this is about, oh, look how hardcore and, and I am. I'm so sick and weak and it's so hard. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. So we're like, well, I'm not really like boisterous and loud and, and, and obnoxious about it. Yeah, but we can have a slip conversation into how tired we are, how much we've been giving. Oh, it's just so tough to be as generous as I am. Oh. <laughs> it can happen. It can happen. And it's tricky. And it finishes the same way as the others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. What's this reward in full all about? Well, when I was younger, I always pictured, you know, a, a pile of treasure in heaven. And treasures in heaven is a biblical concept that's discussed. But I pictured, you know, a big old 
pile of gold waiting for me. You know, I did some good things, and I got some bank in heaven. Bank that one, God. It's a good thing. And, uh, and I'd do something kind of good, you know, and I'd be like, well, that's probably good for, like, some quartz and, like, some turquoise. I don't know, something. And, and that's how I typically had, had viewed this reward in full, right? That, that you get your reward from how good you're feeling right now, the outcome of your actions, you know, you kind of put on an air, and people are like, oh, yeah, good job. And you're like, yeah, and that's, and that's all there is to it. And you don't get a spiritual credit. But I also think, reflecting on my experience back at this drop-in center, there's a little bit more to it as well here in this world. You see, I found, especially with youth that had been through a lot and experienced a lot of lies in their life, that when you came with this attitude of like, hey, let me tell you, let me jump into this conversation with a bit of an irrelevancy because it pulls it into, into a God talk that I really want to have, they could smell it. They could smell it coming. And it would shut them down so quick. You know, because the message they receive is, you don't, you don't even want to hear me out. You don't really want to engage in the difficult challenges that I'm going through. You just, you just want to wait your turn to talk and tell me something. The world out there, if they believe that the church is against them, they are going to be looking to smell it. These other motivations. And if you don't, if you're not careful, then that's what they're going to receive, whether you, whether you mean to have that be the case or not. We don't help people so that they will help us in the future. But the principle of what goes around comes around is a beautiful thing. And if you've ever had the experience of planting a seed in someone's life and and then, and, and then leaving it. And then at some point, they show up in your world in a, in a beautiful way. They help you out when you're in need. It's a fantastic, fantastic thing. And if you've got the motivation that's creeped in for you, that's just, it's not going to happen. So not only is the roar in full not about a, about a, a spiritual kind of thing, it's also very practical. You just, it won't be effective. And it won't impact the future in a really beautiful, powerful reward. I hope people are tracking with me. Okay, number two here. Another motivator that can sneak in, I think this one is prevalent in some, in some pretty obvious ways and in some less obvious ways, and that's this, outcome control. What on earth do I mean, outcome control? Okay, so instead of being for someone and really for them, I'm actually trying to just influence the outcome that I want. I'm actually just trying to see certain things happen the way the world should be formed, the way that I think it should be formed. It's a matter of principle. If you find yourself going, working with people, and, and really being more concerned with the principle of the thing, maybe it's a cause for concern. Let me give you an example here. So I <coughs> um, volunteered once at a food bank. Disclaimer. I'm making myself sound out to be the super pious giving guy. The two instances of volunteering so far are separated by about 10 years. So for as far as you know, I've done two good things in 10 years, okay? All right? I volunteered at this food bank, and someone had run this food bank, and, and the event was very unique in the context of this event. I know all programs and events they have to be set up differently, but this one, what they'd done is they'd collected all this food and they had laid it out in a um, kind of like a marketplace kind of setting around a room. And what they decided to do was they were going to invite people in need in the community to come in and they were going to pick what they wanted. They were going to shop. I think it was Thanksgiving actually. And they were going to get what they wanted and, and, and not just kind of be handed the prepackaged bag. Because this individual said to me, often when people are in need, the first thing that they lose is their choice. I thought that was a pretty, pretty cool thing. And so I, I volunteered at this thing and I watched some people going around. And there was one volunteer there. <coughs> excellent, 
excellent person. And this, uh, this volunteer, <clears throat> I watched them as they met people at the door, and they very politely, very graciously took the bag that the person had brought, walked around with them and said, okay, so, you know, how many people are you feeding? And what are you, oh, what are you doing? Okay, you're going to need two of these. Oh, you'll need one of that. Okay, no, no, you don't need any of those. Okay, here you go. And they filled the bag for the person. And the, pe- the, the, the person never said anything. They, they were just gracious and accepted. That's, I think, probably what they expected. But the spirit of the event, which was to allow people to, to, to choose for themselves, was, was actually kind of undermined. And I didn't ask the volunteer about this, but I did overhear them say, yeah, well, I mean, if you, if you leave them to their own devices, they'll just take four boxes of cookies. The challenging thing about it is that volunteer may have been totally right. They might have. There may have been individuals who would have made choices that, that they didn't think were great, and they would have maybe taken all the cookies. But that was the point of this particular exercise. And it was undermined by a volunteer whose first priority was the principle of the matter. Well, it's not right. It's not fair. And I care more about how this plays out than what we're trying to do for these particular individuals. I say this with a bit of a disclaimer because I know that if you're running a particular program, um, resources are limited and, and, and you have to have boundaries and things set up. I understand that. But what I'm talking about here is the heart, that, that carbon monoxide kind of spirit that comes in displaces the oxygen and says, I'm not really for you. I'm about this, this principle. I'm making the world shape the way I think the world ought to be shaped. This is the strings attached. This is the, I will help you as long as you then do the things that I think you should do. It's challenging. You know who I think would be susceptible uh, in a big way to this kind of challenge is Folks with those really, those really big hearts, they care about people so much. Because if you see someone walking down a path that's not so golden, and you care about them so much, it's really scary to help them out and leave that opportunity open for them to go in a way that you don't think is great. You'd rather control the path. You'd rather do that answer that's a little bit quicker, a little bit firmer, and just shut the door. It's really hard with kids. If you've got a kid that's walking down a path you don't think is great, it is terrifying to allow that door to be not absolutely shut down. Focus rather on building them up, helping them walk, giving them a good example, giving them a warning. Oh, we want to just shut down that path. We want to just control that and say, I'll help you. You can continue to live under my roof on the you know, condition that. Now, I understand there, there are things that we have to deal with that can be that way. And kids of different ages are different. Obviously, you've got a little kid, you know, you're going to shut down that path. I've got a 10-year-old, so I'm just starting to walk the line. I've been warned that teenage years are coming, and I'll be, I'll be maybe not, I'll be trying to shut down the path, and the path may remain open. We shall see. Jesus spoke on this one, too. He was talking to the, uh, the religious folks of the day. Jesus had a lot to say to the religious folks of the day, doing, doing good things, but, but for some of these wrong reasons. He hits them hard here. And you experts to the law, in the law, woe to you. This isn't even the verse where he calls them a good-looking uh, house of the dead. That's, that's a different one. Uh, that, you should look that one up. That's good. Um, woe to you because you load people down with burdens they carry. And you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. He's talking about all of the religious structures, all the law, all the rules that they had put in place. 
And they were likely, many of them, in principle, good things. You know, there'd be a reason behind these rules. But what Jesus is, is, I think, really pulling the attention to is, your focus is on placing all these rules and seeing that the rules get all done, but you don't actually care about the people and their well-being. If you did, you would lift a finger to help them. Your attitude would be like, this is tough, but it's important. Let's get in the trenches. Let's do this together. You can do it. This is going to help you. I love you, so it's worth it. Instead, they're saying, no, no, you just got to do these things. You got to do all these things, and good luck. You're on your own. Because the principle of the matter became what's important. I hope this is, I hope this is, this is working. Okay. Third and last one, I'm a little sensitive to. The reason I'm sensitive to this is that this is not my strength. I've, this is, the, this is a, a, a leader d- disclaimer here. That uh, I am grateful for people in my life that have um, pulled me out of kind of the potential of sinking pretty deep into this one. The last one is this. It's comfort. It's comfort at any cost. It's staying comfortable. It's very difficult to have a for you attitude if your motivation that's sneaking in is about just not upsetting my own balance, my own world, my own worldview, the way I think about things. I am not talking about short-term pain, short-term discovery. In fact, that can be the cost, right? I will, the, the cost, the little tiny things I'll do that aren't, uh, aren't great, I'll do them just so that I don't have to really engage. Let me give you an example on this one. My um, company that I'm part of this year uh, is, is 31 years old. So last year was our 30th anniversary. And for our 30th anniversary, we did this, uh, this campaign uh, that... We, we were going to do 30 community events for our 30th year. It was actually a really cool thing to be part of. Um, I, was, I was impressed with how it was pulled off, and, and, the, and some of the hearts behind it were excellent. We actually crossed paths. My, uh, the company I was part of um, met Pathway Church at the, at the Kids Helping Hunger event. That was a really cool day for me. Everyone's, oh, they're all here doing the same thing. It's so cool. With a, with a similar heart. I, I loved it. Um, so I um, told my Staff at the time, as I, will, I would advise everyone here, to pace themselves. Pick, don't, don't try to do everything, okay? Uh, just pick a couple. And then I picked terribly. Oh, it was so dumb. There was a day where you could have gone and just pet puppies. That was, that was an event. The Humane Society, we're just going to go hang out with some dogs. I didn't pick that day. I didn't pick the pet puppies. Pick the pet puppies day. Whew, that was tough. I didn't pick that day. Why didn't I pick the day? I picked the polar plunge. What was I thinking? <laughs> I would like to, for your benefit, show the bravest face I've ever made in my entire life. That's, that's courage. Um, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. And I, and I was pretty tempted to go down the road of like, oh, but I, you know, I did this hardcore thing. To be honest with you, this is not the giving up the kind of comfort that I'm talking about. In fact, this is the like, oh, I did a quick ice bath. I, I put my, I jumped in, I jumped out. I'm so involved, but I'm not actually really, you, yeah, please take that down. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not really getting into the nitty gritty. If you're going to engage in people in a meaningful way, you're going to have to come to face to face with some tough things, likely. Maybe it's poverty. Maybe it's someone who has a worldview that's very different than yours. Maybe it's a discussion that would challenge what you've been taught. If you're really going to engage with people and be for them, it's not going to be comfortable. And it's very tempting 
to start to say, well, I just don't really want to be that uncomfortable, so I'm going to make up some other kind of lies instead of saying that I'm really just not comfortable with it. One of the lies is, I'm not hurting, so there must not really be much of a problem. That's a tough one for me. I can be a little bit blind to what other people are going through because I'm not going through it. I've got people in my life, I don't mind telling you, who are fantastic at saying that's not right to those people. And I'm like, ah, yeah, you're right. Just like I didn't put on the comic card we should help people. Darn it. Thank you, church. (laughs) I appreciate you. We can also say those people are different. They've made decisions to get them where they are. They'll keep making those decisions. It's a bit of a lost cause. Those are things we can say when our motivation, our carbon monoxide motivation, is really just keeping ourselves comfortable. Of course, the, the, the most dynamic outcome is we just won't show up. That'll be the outcome. We just won't show up. And the guy that uh, ran that, um, that food, uh, food event, that was his, his M.O., was just show up. And he, they, he worked in ministry, and I, I appreciated that. There was a lot of subtle wisdom in that. It's not your show, but, but you got to show up. I really appreciate that. And I hope that that's the, what, what, what this church will really take away from this, is that um, helping, helping is hard. Helping is complicated. Don't believe that it's your show. Don't make it about you. But also show up. And show up within balance. Because I, I would just like to close with this. I, I've got one, uh, one last uh, scripture to really drive this home, actually, before I do close. If you can put that one up there, James. This is about Jesus' followers. And they're, and they're criticizing that sort of comfortable place, the easy answers. They say, if one of you says to them that's someone in need, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but you do nothing about their physical needs, what, what good is that? That's in a conversation about faith and works, and it's, a, it's, it's part of that conversation. But this is a really good point about there are some easy out- answers out there. I don't want to harp too much about the internet, but it's interesting how internet culture has really driven home this support from a distance. This, this, I'm, su- I'm part of this cause? Yeah. I have a, a friend who runs a, a group, and she was like, yeah, we have 100 members. But every time we do an event, eight people show up, and it's the same eight people. We have 92 people who are convinced they're part of this club, they're part of this movement, because they signed up on the Facebook page. And they actually think they're part, but they're doing nothing. Comfort has said, yeah, I've done just enough. I dipped my toe, jumped in the cold water, and jumped out. But I'm not really going to do what it takes to become involved. There's a, there's a, a resistance to, to hashtag thoughts and prayers. They're getting political on thoughts and prayers. It's a, be- it's a great thing. Thoughts and prayers are impactful and powerful. But there's a, a cultural resistance to it saying, yeah, but what are you actually doing? And it's more comfortable. It's more easy to stay behind a computer screen or to, uh, to support from a distance. And, and so I want to challenge folks on this last one. Don't make it about yourself. Be careful about just trying to get your way. But, but show up. And I'll close with this. Balance. Balance. The, we're not exactly sure exactly what the future plan of this will look like. I know Nathan's going to explore it and talk, and we've got some volunteers coming alongside, and it's going to be fantastic, I have no doubt. But it probably also will be a lot. And uh, as I mentioned, um, helping's hard. And so I would just advise people to recognize that, to watch yourself and others. If you're getting 
tired. Empathy fatigue is a thing that I've heard about. And if you find that the impact that's being had, and you start to see that the life you're trying to breathe isn't quite, people are feeling like you're against them, take a good hard look at some reasons why. I'm sure there are others. There's not just three. But I hope that this conversation will really drive home the importance of the heart that we all share behind this initiative. Do we have to, are we going to do it? Absolutely, we're going to do it. Are we going to do it with the right heart? Yeah, we are. It's been a heavy message. Let me finish with this. If we get this right, it's a rare and beautiful thing. If you really help people legitimately for them, no strings attached, not for you, not for what you're about. We're not putting Pathway Church on the logo. There's something to that. Actually for people, oh, it's, it's life-changing. It's game-changing, and it's rare. There are many good things done for, for some sneaky, selfish reasons. When it's not, when it's actually oxygen in the bloodstream, it changes people. So thanks for being part of it. Thanks for thinking of it, 51%. And, uh, and, and, and I hope you'll close in prayer with me here this morning. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this church on this Thanksgiving Day. And thank you for everything that you've given us. Help us to take a good hard look at the world around us and care about it. The way you care about us. You already love people. I pray that you will bring us together in the right ways at the right time. Thank you that you're in control. You've got the details in hand. And we pray that the hearts of every person serving will be protected, will be sustained. And ultimately, we pray that people's lives will be changed. And we thank you that you are the life changer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.